to two Johnnies for keeping us entertained this afternoon. It is Wednesday the 21st of December. I'm Shane Dawson and you are listening to Game On. Coming up between now and Seven Bells, given it's Christmas week, we're all in a very reflective mood in the Game On office, so Conan Byrne will be joining us to give us his seasonal rating on all things Irish football, including his top League of Ireland moments of the year. Shane McGrath will be casting his mind back on the year that was in the world of hurling. RT Sports' Michael Glennon will bring us up to date on the PDC World Darts Championship. And if that wasn't enough, Owen Ward reveals his racing highlights. As always, if you want to get in touch, well, please do so. Drop us a text, 51552, or tweet us at Game On 2FM. Game On on 2FM. Yes, hello there, good evening, hope you're enjoying your Wednesday, wherever you may be, coming back from Christmas shopping, coming home from work, if you've not already clocked out for the Christmas period, uh, thank you for spending your uh, six to seven hour with us. Conan Byrne is with me before we chat football. Conan, uh, one rugby news headline just to uh, reveal to all, the IRFU have announced that in partnership with the World Rugby Union and the uh, SRU, they have created a women's combined provinces, 15 to play in a pilot Celtic Challenge competition as preparation for the 2023 TikTok Six Nations Championships begins. The tournament will see one team from each union compete in a series of home and away fixtures over a six-week period. Ireland will be represented in the 2023 edition by a combined Provinces 15 under the guidance of the national team coaching group led by Greg McWilliams and John McKee. The Ireland combined Provinces squad will comprise of contracted 15s players and club players under consideration for the Irish Six Nations squad. So Sinead, that's probably the uh, big news line of today. Also, I suppose in football, Conan, this leads us nicely into our conversation. Ireland will host Latvia in a March-friendly five days ahead of their Euro 2024 opener against France, the FAI confirmed in a statement this afternoon. Stephen Kenny Sider, one of only six nations not to feature in competitive action on the opening round of fixtures, with the Latvians being flagged last month as the likeliest candidates for a friendly in the vacant slot. Ireland begin their Euro 2024 campaign with a daunting fixture at home to the beaten World Cup finalists France on 27th of March so perfect uh, preparation going in for sure it's only France they didn't even win the World Cup Conan it's only France no sure and they only have Mbappe yeah. sure, he, he only scored three in the World Cup final and still lost so um, no, it'll be a tough fixture do you know what Shane I would have liked them to come up against a, a, a tougher nation I know it's not really possible with the fact that the, the Nations League is, as, as or the, the games are going on beforehand yeah. but like with, with last year playing Belgium at this time the 26th of March they drew two all it was a good Good game to go into those nation league games, and um, but just with Latvia, you're probably he's probably just looking for a bit of confidence in the squad. Try to get a win under the belt before they host the beaten finalists, as you say, France. So it's going to be a daunting task for sure. Mm. The French themselves commenced their campaign three days earlier before we played them with a home game against top seeds Netherlands. So they'll, they'll be going into it with a with quite the challenge as well. So um, yeah, like listen, it's it's Ireland's only game in the opening window uh, with the second match arriving in June, which is away to Greece. So we're looking forward to that. But we're in reflective mood, Conan, and we will be getting into one of my favourite topics, the League of Ireland, very very shortly. But I suppose your seasonal rating on the uh, national side, what have you made of it all, and how much are you looking forward now to these qualifiers? Yeah, look, it's going to be very very difficult to to get into the Euro 2024 um, obviously with the you mentioned there the top two seeds facing off each other in March France v the Netherlands um, they both got through their group stages of the World Cup in Qatar um, obviously France looked very very impressive um, throughout the tournament even in the final um, and look it's going to be hugely daunting for, for Ireland to, to come out of that group I know it's probably near impossible but 
I know Stephen Kenny is probably the most optimistic man in the country um, with these type of games coming up and yeah you just have to be very positive going into them um, we, we do have that security blanket not to sorry to cut across you of having most likely I suppose that Nations League playoff so it's not all doom and gloom I think that's what you <laughs> yeah. have to be looking at yeah most, realistically yeah, yeah absolutely yeah I, I think if, if you come on top of France and Netherlands in this group you, you'd probably give them a 10 year contract <laughs> it's uh, it's just the fact that 2022 hasn't been the, the best year in terms of results mm. um, obviously we, we the, the disappointing uh, defeats to Ukraine and Scotland um, probably stand out the most Um the very very emphatic win over Scotland in, in the Aviva Stadium back in June was was hugely positive at the time. Um, that we went out to Ukraine, uh, out to Poland and drew one all with Ukraine, which was a great result for us. But then to go one 0 up, John Egan scoring that header at Hamden, and to concede two goals in the second half to Scotland that really put was, put a dampener on things. And obviously then with their home game against Armenia, when things were going so well, going two 0 up and then conceding those two goals in quick succession, it seemed to put a dampener on things. To the, pu- uh, to the public yeah. um, in terms of what was going on in, within the camp um, which was hugely disappointing obviously they got the win in the end they scored a last minute goal to win 3-2 uh, through Robbie Brady the comeback, the comeback kid but um, yeah I think you, you, he needs to start well in the transition is over now this is yeah you know, and this is the, the, the he was eyeing this 2024 campaign as one that was to get him to get us into the Euros in Germany and um Obviously, you're not going to come up against a tougher task in France, but it's not all about that game. It's how he how he gets on in within the group, um, and it's going to be a huge, huge opportunity for us. As I said, I think he'll be looking at the playoffs in um, to try and get in to that Euro twenty twenty four campaign and putting up a good uh, test against France and the mm. Netherlands as well. I know you are a school teacher, so to put you on your spot and you were to grade Ireland in 2022, what, what grade would you give them? Oh, a C. A C. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think, um, like I wouldn't, the home game against Belgium, as I mentioned, was a good two-all draw. We had a great result against Scotland, but a disappointing result in Armenia. I think that was the one, the away... And overshadows it, it then, yeah. yeah. I think so. I think that was the big one. I think if we had won that game going into the Ukraine game at home... It might have given us a little bit of confidence going into that game. We were poor in both games, losing 1-0 in both of them, and um, that was really disappointing. But to come back from that then a couple of days later and beat Scotland 3-0, like I mentioned, um, was good. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't give us more than a C now, Shane, but I wouldn't give it a fail either. Okay, you know, it's, okay, um, okay. I think 2023 will be, as I said, it's the big test yeah. for Stephen King. Yeah, this is, yeah, as you mentioned, he was aiming, and this is when the players are meant to be coming of age and we've all bonded together. And it was actually interesting, I think, Stephen when he was speaking in the wake of that game against Malta he mentioned that Ireland weren't looking for a gruelling game ahead of the France encounter so perhaps he, he mightn't play a first team which I don't know if you're still trying to guess your team around that stage when you've got France five days later but however um, it will be interesting to see how 2023 goes as well and Stephen Kenny and try and um, I suppose block out all these rumours of Lee Carsey and everything else but I suppose that's a conversation for another day um, League of Ireland uh, there is plenty of League of Ireland transfers ongoing uh, we mentioned Johnny Kenny to Shamrock Rovers is rumoured uh, yesterday Pat Fennan coming into post as director of football is another rumour nothing confirmed as of yet uh, Shelburne women's team have 
um, or could be potentially losing a couple of players to Shamrock Rovers. They Shamrock Rovers also uh, have signed Steph Roach on your O'Gorman. Um, so they were going to uh, bring the League of Ireland Women's Premier Division uh, up to another level, of course, as well. But reflecting on the year that was, Conan Byrne, I tasked you earlier today with uh, compiling your top five League of Ireland moments. We'll be uh, going through the same in hurling and in racing a little bit later on in the show. But Conan Byrne, what is coming in at number five as your top League of Ireland moment? Um, my top football in the southwest, Shane. Okay. Um, obviously, it's a very broad. Uh, you see, I, you see, I like things to do things <laughs> a little differently. You know, the old cliches or Shamrock Rovers train our own different. Yeah, things. yeah. You like to, going a little bit deeper, and maybe the listener might know about this. The, oh, it's very methodical. I like it. I like it in uh, in in League of Ireland circles. But yeah, football in the southwest is uh, is on the rise. Um, obviously, in the Premier Division last year, the furthest club south was Shamrock Rovers. Obviously, they're based in Tala. Yeah. So it was great to see, first of all, Cork City get back into the Premier Division. Um, a fantastic jo- job done by by Colin Healy. Um, Liam Kearney, is, uh, as well as Director of Football down there, doing really, really, really good work. But also the personalities involved in the in the clubs down there. Like, as I mentioned, Colin Healy. Mm. Um, you have Shane Keegan, who's, who's, who came in at Cove midway through the season, um, at Cove Ramblers. And obviously now the new formation of Kerry FC as well, which is... Which is brilliant. I know you were. We had Billy Dennehy on yeah. last night, and yeah. he he gave a great insight into what is going on um, at Kerry. But I just think now with those three teams in Munster, along with Waterford as well, um, football is, is is shining bright down in the southwest um, again. And that's what we need. I I'm beating this drum for so so long, and excuse me for repeating myself from yesterday. But the geographical spread in League of Ireland be it in the men's game or the women's game that's was so pleased to see the likes of Sligo and Athlone come in to the Women's National League the, the now League of Ireland Women's uh, Premier Division as it has been rebranded but that geographical spread but it's about sustaining these clubs as well and I know Billy spoke about trying to build up the underage system and you know embedded in with the Kerry District League and, and that's how clubs continue to flourish because I mentioned yesterday that it was heartbreaking and that's not me being overly dramatic it is like it's a disaster at Monaghan United I know they played I think the first senior game last year was it or something in in a local league basically Kildare Sporting Fingal even I know that you, you were associated with perhaps that's a bit different because it was in the, the Dublin uh, kind of area but to see the likes of Kilkenny even and see Buckley Park in, in the state that it's in lately as well grass yeah. six foot high and everything I mean it's, it's all well and good now having this but they need to be sustained. I know Wexford, I suppose, is an example that have come in and they've stood the test of time so far as well, it's probably fair to say, um, albeit with a bit of money behind them as well. So that's that's going to be the big challenge now. Yeah, and it's the ambitious plans that I like, like in terms of a lot of people criticising the season ticket prices down at Kerry and Mount Hawk Park. But I think it's it's encouraging to see that the amount of sales that have gone on there so far, obviously season ticket sales is huge record number now in mm. League of Ireland circles and it's absolutely fantastic to see but you have people with such love of the game in Billy Dennehy and, and people that are involved in Kerry FC so I'm, I'm really excited to see how it go, how they go they're signing players from Kerry which is great as well they've signed pl- players from um, that were with 3D United Cove Ramblers and they're bringing them back to Kerry Matt Keane for example so it's um, th- this is what we mean by football in the South West now it's, it's, it's highly encouraging Cork City back in the Premier Division now the attendances that they had last season that's mm. attendances is something that I'll be talking about a little bit later on um, but yeah it's just absolutely superb to see 
um, football in the southwest are starting to blossom again. Absolutely. I'm praying for Kerry away in the cup now. Getting I a, think get everybody a trip, is. Yeah, get a trip down yeah. to Mount Hog Park. <laughs> That's definitely an overnighter, definitely. But it is. No, it is. Um, wholeheartedly agree. So, moving on. Number four, Conan Byrne. Uh, the personalities that have come into the League of Ireland. Okay. Um, None spring to mind, to be honest. I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, mention, I'll mention a few of them. So, obviously, we have uh, Damien Duff. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Shelburne. Of course, yeah, at Shelburne, yeah, yeah. Uh, at Shelburne, which is... Which has been great. It's been great to see us obviously up for, for the RT um or the soccer riders and personality, of the, year. personality yeah. of the year award. Getting to a cup final, consolidating themselves in the Premier Division. Fantastic achievement by Damien Duff. Um Dave Rogers now obviously has come back in as manager of Finn Harps. Great to have him back, League of Ireland legend that he is. Um he went off and done all his coaching pedigree and, and courses um all over the world in mm. India and in America, um back with Nottingham Forest Academy and then brought in a full time contract four year deal at Finn Harps and he'll his task now will be to try and bring them back into the Premier Division and um look no better no better vehicle to, to do that. Um infectious character gets involved in, in social media circles with fans and, and clubs and I, I don't know how long that will last now though oh, that's, I don't that's know it. That's, that's the thing I don't know I'd probably rain, uh, grab the reins on him a little yeah, bit yeah you can't but, muzzle Davy Rogers though I don't no, think. Like, no but uh, yeah another infectious character but then and as I mentioned already Colin Healy Billy Dennehy these type of players um, Ollie Horgan still floating about just, yeah. he was next on the list sorry Ollie Horgan Colin, sorry, in sorry. as number two at yeah. John Coffield at Galway United absolutely fantastic um, and as you mentioned there the, the possibility of Pat Fennan coming back into the League of Ireland as well with mm. uh, as with Bo's director of football which probably I think would be this could be the signing of the season in terms of like you look at Keith Long and he took on way too much like the days of the manager doing transfers scouting development um it should be long gone so there's only so, so many times he could go to the well and pull off this this magic that he did with Bose and unearth these unknown talents absolutely and yeah. now you have Declan Devine in and Gary Cronin has come in as well as his number two and, and Fennan being a shrewd football man that he is and with Craig Sexton in the academy um, who's doing great great job there making affiliated clubs mentioned the Sword Celtic obviously my local team so um, yeah uh, they've been involved with Bohemians too so no it's great it's, it's great to see those personalities being involved in the league and it's only going to bring bring uh, bring fans to the games which yeah. is number three Oh, well, that's a perfect segue, Conan. Yeah, Burns. I like that. It's not your first rodeo. Not your first rodeo. <laughs> so number three, then moving on to um, attendances that uh, and crowds and fans that appreciate these personalities. Yeah, absolutely. The attendances that we have had in the League of Ireland um, over the last number of years. Obviously, the report that has been that it, that came out there during the week. I know again talked about it yesterday. Yeah. But the the Premier Division, for instance, risen by twenty nine percent in the last three years. Like over one hundred and ten thousand six hundred and sixty more people have attended games. First Division crowds rise by 135%. Obviously, with Cork City back down the first division, that probably um, exaggerates that figure just a little bit. Um, but in the sense that those those clubs that you're talking about, the likes of Drawdy United, um, an increase of 169% in its supporters. Um, Shell's 172? Shell's 172, Shane, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Why couldn't they be there when I was playing there? Uh. I'm sure my name. You, know, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you were able to hear the... Um, the the, the positivity that was shouted at you from a, a smaller group you know it was louder yeah, more yeah, more encouraging in that yeah, way maybe. well you look at my other, my other former, former club St. Pat's their crowds have doubled so I don't know what that that says but no it's great to see as I said Shamrock Rovers as well being being our champions our, national, our, our European yeah. um, kind of representatives representatives yeah, yeah 37% rise from uh, 
from Intala Stadium to like 5,379 people as an average attendance. And that's what we need to be looking at and we need to be get going further to try and entice more supporters of the game. Like even in Mike's school chain, you see kids coming in in League of Ireland jerseys and tracksuits and it's something that I'd, you'd never see. Like when I went to school, no, probably when you went to school, yeah, you'd no. never see a League of Ireland jersey. So these, it's reflective in what's happening in the schools and the community work that has been done by the clubs is 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 tremendous too. Yeah, no, it was completely unknown in my school, and I think that's why I got to bunk off early for a League Cup final back in the day. <laughs> head up to the Brandywell, <laughs> but uh, that's a story for another day. Um, no, it is wholly positive and great to have those characters and that, that bit of bite as well, and those sound bites you get. Like you go back to your your Pat Dolans or Roddy Collins is right in their newspaper columns and everything. So it is that atmosphere that's been created, and it's a more it's a, it's a brilliant atmosphere. It's a brilliant environment, and you mentioned Tala as well. Increased capacity, increased capacity. Um, so it is. It's brilliant um, in that regard. So where are we? Number two. Going to number number two. two. And as I said, I don't like doing the the, the usual ones that as people might yeah, know. Yeah. Like I know the great work that Shamrock Rovers have done and what Stephen Bradley has done this season, especially with what's going on in his personal life, which is which is fantastic. But absolutely, the next person is probably somebody that flies under the radar a little bit. And Mark Scanlon, okay. the director of the FEI. He's, I think with his job when he came in he needed to regain the trust of clubs and he's doing that by being honest and proactive and he has built an entire League of Ireland department within the FAI so the domestic game has never had as many people working on it from a, from an FAI perspective on a mm-hmm. daily basis and obviously Gavin White has gone in there Paul Miljenovic as well from Galway in terms of media stuff that's going on so that's absolutely fantastic the rebrand as well is part of a new approach but a lot more is to come from that as well. Mm. So it doesn't always need to be headline news. And I think that's what I like about Mark is that he keeps thing. He just goes about his work on a daily basis, does his job um, very, very consistent and learning from previous mistakes that have been made within the association. Um, there's a good vibe around the league. And I think we can all see that given with the attendances, the community work that's being done as well. League of Ireland TV, game changer absolute game changer every game live and available for, yeah. for for people both here and abroad the season pass has now been introduced for next season um, much welcomed much welcomed that was a by, big big miss by yeah. everybody yeah. and um, like I think there, were, there was um, Declan McBennett mentioned there was over 1 million people watching the World Cup final in RTE imagine a portion of those decided to come to, to League of Ireland games or purchase a season ticket mm. wouldn't it just make it such a big difference um, so yeah as I said the uh, my number three point was attendances on the rides kids wearing more jerseys Kerry FC so it all like I just think that the work within the FBI has been has done, has been very very good and with him steering it at the, at the helm Mark Scanlon it's, it's being respected I think for, for the first time in, in a long while and I think that's what was lacking and um for for quite some, and I like I go to League of Ireland matches, you know that, and you know I've been to nearly every ground besides Mount Hawk Park. That's that's the next <laughs> one on the list. But in terms of you get to there, and it's it is something special, and it's about yes, bringing the fans, but retaining them as well. I think Bose have done a really really good job with that. Yeah. And they've been the market leaders in that for a while in terms of how they they market the product. And now I think the FEI are following suit somewhat, like from Bose, and I know Pat's do great work in the community. Cork and Sligo do tremendous work as well. Um, so it's about, I suppose, advertising it well and, and having that respect back and, and with respect, people will take it seriously as a product. And I know Paul Curry was on yesterday and we're talking about the, the product of, of the footballers that we're producing as well and the style of football, better facilities, better pitches. Better coaching. Exactly, better coaching as well. That was a big point actually Paul made as well. Um, so yeah, no, it is. It's all it's all positive. So four very, very positive points leading up to Conan Burns' top League of Ireland moment of 2022. Women's football, Shane. Um, Happy I think days. The, sorry? 
happy days. Yes, it's the, been the growth of the women's Premier Division with the rebrand being part of the League of Ireland has been so crucial. Shamrock Rovers returning. I think that's mm-hmm. a that's a key point to make. Um, a lot of people obviously upset with the fact of them taking players from others, but they're they're. They, I don't think it's the players' fault. Shamrock Rovers are doing it the right way, um, and the players obviously want to go to the club. Yeah. Um, Smashing think, manager, Collie O'Neill. Collie O'Neill, excellent that's manager. Unbelievable guy. Yes, absolutely. Pro contracts um, as well. Games on TG Car, bigger crowds, the more clubs involved with, with 17s and 19s. Look, it's inevitable that we will lose players in the in the women's Premier Division going like the likes of Jesse Staple and Ellen Malloy. I think that's inevitable. Um, but I think we should continue to provide the platform for, for the best players in the country. And I think we are doing that at the moment. It's an unbelievable year for the women's national team. Um, 2023 will be even bigger, obviously, with the Women's World Cup. Yeah. Um, and even just for women football as a whole, I, I know like Vera Pell, the work that she does going to grassroots clubs um, is, is phenomenal. And the way she, she deals with people and young children, it just inspires mm-hmm. um, the, uh, young girls. And um, I think it's going to leave a, a huge impact on, on, on Irish women's football. And I think they have a very powerful asset in the communications manager, Gareth Marr as well, who's been a huge influence behind the seas, scenes in the mm-hmm. rise of the, the women's national team and also the women's Premier Division. So I think I mentioned Mark Scanlon, I mentioned Gareth Marr. Um, I think there's the, the individuals involved in the League of Ireland. They need to be... Um, Praised. Praised. Yeah, exactly. And I think, and I'm not saying this tongue in cheek, the best thing is probably nobody knows who these people are because they're doing their work and just getting on with it. None of this celebrity CEO status, you know, it's it's the best leaders are ones that just go in, head down, get the job done. And it's brilliant. And I think it's only the beginning of, for women's football as well. You mentioned the World Cup next year, record cup final attendance in Tallis Stadium for Shells and Athlone as well, over 5,000 fans. So it is, it's brilliant. And Shamrock Rovers will only add to the competition. I'm sure we've already seen that already at the moment with the uh, off-field transfers. Ongoing, Conan. Ongoing. Very ongoing. Listen, I would love to just chat association football for the hour, but unfortunately, not, not even unfortunately, we have hurling, which I'm very much looking forward to. The darts is ongoing at the moment. We've horse racing to look back on as well. We've lots of come, so stick with us here on Game On 2FM. Game On. Hurling. Yeah, you're very welcome back to Game On on this Wednesday evening as we chat hurling in the company of Shane McGrath. Shane, how are you, sir? I'm very good, Shane. Yourself? I'm keeping well. I'm keeping well. All the better for chatting to you and looking back on the year that was in hurling. Uh, you may have heard Conan Byrne was tasked with compiling his top five League of Ireland moments there at the top of the show. And we've given you the same task in the world of hurling. However, before we do so, I think it's only fit and proper and right to pay tribute to All-Ireland winner Johnny Cohn who recently called time on his Galway career. A monster of a man, and I mean that in the most complimentary fashion. Yeah, absolutely. And Johnny would have <clears throat> done a lot of his hurling around midfield there as well. So uh, with my midfield hat on, you know, I, I think his nickname, I could be staying correct now, maybe a lot of Lockray people shouting at the radio. I think his nickname was the Hoover. And uh, for obvious reasons that he just uh, got on a lot of ball, sucked up possession. But, uh, you know, he reached the pinnacle there with Galway, has his honour in the middle in his back pocket. And look, he's still a young guy, Shane. Uh, I think he's 30 or 31. He'll have a lot more years for, for Loch Ray, but great servant to Galway down through the years. And uh, look, he, he'll he be missed as well. But I suppose, Shane, it just goes to show the demands, the physical demands, the personal demands that are in inter-county careers nowadays. I I just don't think we're going to see too many guys, you know, like a TJ or an outlier 
35, 36 years of age. We're not going to see that anymore because of just the commitment that it, that, that it takes. But look, a great career Johnny Cohen has had. And as you said, he's, he's not finished yet. He'll, he'll still do lots of hurling with his club lock, Ray. Absolutely. And we were uh, chatting uh, only a while ago about the... Uh, the club with Neil Ewing uh, last night when he was given his uh, top five Gaelic football moments and a lot of them uh, revolved around the club with the Cliffords and Fossa etc and people going to watch training evening as well so it's great to see that buzz back in the club um, however uh, we shall get stuck right into your top five moments so Shane I'm sure there's a few honorary mentions that we'll have to get through after you've listed off the top five but first um, if you are to reveal your uh, number five top hurling moment of 2022 yeah, look, I, I suppose this is kind of a, I suppose county finals and things like that are a, a very personal thing to to every county, Shane. And I suppose I have in as my top, my in my five, number five, I have the, mm. the Tipperary County Hurling Final. Um, you know, we had, everyone knows we had the crowds back and everything. I just think it was a very unique year with the Tip Hurling Championship, Shane. As everyone knows, poor Dylan Cork passed away in August there and the team that they were actually his, his club is Clonolty Ross Moore and the team they were playing Killer One McDonough's actually went on to win the county final this year and uh, after a replay and yeah, I suppose there was a moment at the end after the game that the Killer One group brought the Danbreen Cup which is the cup that you get when you win the Tipperary Club Hurling Championship brought it down to the the, the area of the field where, where, where Dylan would have um, passed away and I just thought it's it was a really kind of unique moment. I know that's with my tip hat on, but I know as sports people, uh, they would appreciate that. And if I could just quickly mention his his mum and dad, Dan and Hazel, and his sisters, Kelly and Shannon, they've actually set up the Dylan Cork Foundation, Shane, and that's for, they're hoping to, to screen GA players from the age of 12 upwards for this sudden sudden adult death syndrome. And, uh, you know, there's a GoFundMe for it, and, and I know there's a fundraiser in February 19th when Tip played Kilkenny in the league. So, uh, I just, that's what I have in as my, as my number five moment this year the Tip County final Kilowan McDonough's won it but I suppose for everything that went with it and uh, for, for Dylan Cork as well I thought it was a very kind of unique special moment like Absolutely and I know you've spoken very poignantly in the past as well about Dylan um, across RT Radio um, and other outlets as well so yeah no that is uh, extremely um valid point and, and yeah it's very a very moving uh, Tip County final I remember Damien Lawler was on kind of giving us the, the lowdown when that happened as well and I'm sure we'll be chatting about that fundraiser closer to February as well uh, for sure um, number four Shane yeah number four um, I suppose it's in, in GA terms Shane I suppose there, there, there was lots of hurling ones but I, I actually went with uh, with that Shawnee O'Shea free kick uh, ah, no, Neil, Neil did that yesterday. We tasked you with the hurling, Shane. You've gone wrong. Yeah, so I had to. I had rogue. to put this one in. Yeah, I had to get this one in. I just thought, uh, you know, it was an amazing free kick. Um, I suppose uh, played a small bit of football myself. Was never able to kick it off the ground, but I just loved his quote he gave Shane. Uh, Joanne was inter- Joanne Cantwell was interviewing him after the final, and she asked him what was he thinking when he took the kick, and what he said was. He's from Kinmare, as everyone will know, and he said, when you're in Kinmare as a young lad, you pretend you're in Crow Park, and when you're in Crow Park, you pretend you're in Kinmare. So I just thought it was a great quote and a great kind of a, a mindset for him to have, and I suppose maybe the canvas lad in Crow Park that day was Sean O'Shea, so I just thought that was, uh, when we talk about moments and GA moments of the year, 
uh, I think that will definitely uh, be up there obviously along with David Clifford's performance against Shane Walsh mm-hmm. in the All-Ireland football final but I, I had to get, uh, get that football moment in there uh, oh, that's, Shane That's fair That's fair Sure tips to Jill County now isn't it? Absolutely <laughs> Absolutely Absolutely um, Okay that's a brilliant quote as well actually Jeez um, I nearly forgot about that So uh, if we're at three then in your top hurling moments of 2022 so I suppose when we talk about Kilkenny, uh, the name Brian Cody uh, will always be we be mentioned with it, and no more so than people can say they saw Messi play uh, for our generation. We can say we saw TJ Reid TJ Reid play hurling, but I suppose a lot of people now won't agree with this. Or why do I have it in there? When we're talking about moments of the year, I suppose the famous handshake or non-handshake between Brian Cody and Henry Shefflin. I was in Salt Hill today, and. Uh, the day that they played the first time in the Leinster Championship round robin and then obviously in Crow Park but look Brian has stepped away now and I just think what he has done will will never be equaled in the managerial sense in the GA terms and uh, you know with the the thing with Henry I've no doubt maybe that they've they've probably come to terms with it or maybe the rest of us are making a big deal about it no more so than myself but I think when we talk about moments in the hurling year I think that's one moment that a lot of people will, 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 will talk about or will remember from 2022 like Absolutely. It's an iconic photo and everything that Brian Cody has done for Kilkenny has just been phenomenal. Um, very, very difficult to put it into words. It's been some journey and as you said, very uh, unlikely to be repeated. So where are we now? Number two, Shane McGrath. Yeah, number two. Uh, I was uh, had the honour and privilege of being in Turles for Munster Hurling Final Day and I suppose we're a bit biased down in Munster. We, we think our Munster Hurling Final is <coughs> very close second to the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Final. And it was just a packed house, Shane. And the weather aside, it was atrocious. The atmosphere was unbelievable. Clare and Limerick, uh, Munster Hurling final at its very best. But for me, the moment from the game was Tony Kelly's sideline to take it to extra time. I suppose I was on duty with Porrick, and Porrick, as you know, one of the best in the game at describing things or painting a picture for someone listening anywhere around the world or in a hospital bed or out milking cows or whatever it is where you're listening to radio but I mean to be there that day to see him the pressure that was on him he was just having one of those days and I suppose it's the kind of a what you dream about maybe in the back lawn or in the garden at home uh, Shane the, the, mm. that moment like and I suppose he had it in real life no more so than Messi had it in the World Cup final as well yeah. just trying to compare these greats and just to see him slot it over the bar and take the game to extra time I just thought that was that will definitely go down in Munster final hurling history in, in GA hurling history and look a nice thing for for Tony to have although the result didn't go their way afterwards and but I mean what a what a moment um what a moment in, in, in the hurling this year and I think forever really like yeah no absolutely and I don't think anyone will begrudge you of, of mentioning the Munster Championship or the Munster final being just a close second to the All-Ireland I've no allegiances to any club in or any county I should say in Munster as well we'll get you we'll get you on board Shane there's no problem <laughs> well I, I have a mother from Kilkenny so I think you'd be doing well to go anywhere near okay. Tipperary to be honest so. <laughs> but no the, the Munster Championship as a whole is sacred the Munster Hurling Champion it's it's something else it's something else it's it's brilliant um, okay moving on Shane McGrath what is your top hurling moment of 2022 okay I suppose as a tip person and maybe a lot of awfully people are going to be shouting at the radio but my best hurling moment for <clears throat> maybe personal reasons and everything was the Tipperary minor hurling team winning the All-Ireland final against Offaly down in Nolan Park again to talk about atmosphere and we have to remember that these guys are under 17 packed house down in Nolan Park and I'm saying I mean like packed house an hour and a half before the game before the teams even arrived to the pitch because 
this was one everybody wanted the, that brilliant Offaly team and they will go on and they will have success I, I've no doubt about that um, you know the tip we were coming in you know Offaly were probably doing the better hurling that year maybe coming in slight underdogs but I mean the atmosphere that was there it was just phenomenal um, Nolan Park a great venue for us um, it was absolutely brilliant and I suppose the manner of the victory for tip two points down last poke of the game the ball gets lobbed in and a guy we're going to hear a lot about for years to come Paddy McCormick for just you can't teach what he did Shane his movement he, he ran in came back out and then met the ball at the highest point flicked it in into the net and I suppose the ball got poked out and that was it it was blown up so from a tip point of view yeah the, uh, what a way to win it from an awfully point of view absolutely heartbreaking could untotally understand uh, how they, devastated they were but as a sporting moment I suppose it was from a Tipperary point of view, uh, I definitely think the county needed it, you know, needed a big lift and will definitely help hopefully next year spur on the other teams. Um, but like say, my my good friends, James Woodlock, manager, Conor O'Brien, my own brother Cormac was coaching the team. So look, with all those things and being a Tipperary person, that's why it, it, that's why that I have that as my as, as my top moment of the year. No, absolutely. I can't th- take that away from you. For anyone who hasn't seen it, if you've been living under a rock, I'm sure the clip's still on social media or it might be on YouTube and GABO. It's it's unbelievable. Ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, that's I, I thought you were going to mention a different Tipperary Offaly story. Um, you know, getting, getting ahead of the game this year, to say the least, Shane. 250 euro fines for a bit of uh, a challenge match, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, allegedly, look, allegedly. Look, I mean, if that's the biggest worry we have in the GA, I don't think we're doing too bad at all, Shane. Like, but, uh, look, and, and from non-GA sports stuff, Shane, I know you might have to move on. I mean, there were some magical moments there. Like, I, I just think the women really have stolen the show. Leona Maguire winning, first Irish woman to win in the LBGA Tour. Mm. Katie Taylor, what she did in Madison Square. You know, Kelly Harrington, Amy Broadhurst, all these people. Uh, what the Leslie Studios have mentioned already about, about the, the Ireland ladies football team qualifying for the World Cup and just Amber Barrett's moment with the armband for the Chrysler tragedy and our rugby team beating the All Blacks and, you know, with Messi and, of course, another tip person, Rachel Blackmore, winning the Gold Cup, first female jockey to do it. So, I mean, look, we're, we're, we're a small place, Shane. Uh, we're both passionate about sport, as all the lads are there, but I think we're, we're really punching, uh, punching above our weight on, on the world stage as well as, the, as our national stage in the GA. And look, can't wait for 2023 to, to begin again. Like. Absolutely. It's going to be a hell of a year for sport. Shane McGrath, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure chatting over the past few months uh, and hope to chat plenty more in 2023. Have a great Christmas. Uh, Shane mentioned Rachel Blackmore there. We're going to be chatting horse racing very shortly. But up next is Michael Glennon on the PDC World Darts Championships. RTE 2FM. Our taste master Ed O'Donnell spends every waking minute choosing cheese, obsessing over onions, sampling sea salt and quite literally picking potatoes. Because nothing goes into new O'Donnell's furrows, crinkle cut crisps until Ed says, Perfect. O'Donnell's furrows. Taste above all else. Make the most wonderful time of the year even more amazing with Virgin Media. Get a €200 Euro one-for-all gift voucher when you switch to ultra-fast, reliable 500 meg broadband for just €45 Euro a month for 12 months. But hurry, this amazing Christmas offer must end on December 21st. Switch online at virginmedia.ie. Virgin Media. Bring on amazing. T's and C's apply. See virginmedia.ie. Online offer only. Subject to location and availability. New customers only. 12-month contract. 500 meg broadband. 45 euro a month for 12 months. 70 euro thereafter. Ends December 21st, 2022.
Very welcome back to Game On. We've been in very reflective mood so far, looking back on association football and looking back on hurling. But something a bit more current now, the PDC World Darts Championship is ongoing at the moment. And I'm delighted to say RT Sports' Michael Glennon joins us on the line now. Michael, thanks very much for taking the call. Um, big event, as always. We're on day seven. It runs right into the new year. Uh, where shall we begin? Irish interest in it so far. Um, I suppose Meads, Keen, Barry, probably the biggest upset of the tournament so far. Willie O'Connor doing well. Uh, and we had Cork's John O'Shea in action today as well. Yeah, um, we had eight Irish in total and we have five fallers so far in the first week. The, the first round was completed just um, this this afternoon. I'd say it's actually been a slow-burning tournament. I think they didn't want to take the attention away from the the World Cup and overshadowing Leo Messi's exploits if they had have done it like last year in the first round we had two nine darters and this year we've had none we haven't even had a 170 out shot um, and there have been 11 seeds playing so far um, and we've only had two two upsets uh, from that so it's kind of been a slow burner and, and as you say there uh, from an Irish point of view uh, Keane Barry would have been expected to be the qualifier Grant Sampson from uh, South Africa but he never really got going at all there Keane he only averaged 78 and by the time he got going it was too late and, and, and he was out um, as you mentioned there sorry one of the other seeds that were to, to be knocked out was Daryl Gurney from, from Derry and he never got going against Alan Souter as well he'd been off form or uh, very medium form all year and even this afternoon uh, John O'Shea from Cork making his debut um, had a kind of a thrilling game against Darius Labanowskis from Lithuania and he just kind of missed his chance at the end he he, he had he would have had a visit for, for a match start and couldn't get it over the line and um, Willie O'Connor as well probably uh, one of the most notable results so far because he was uh, playing Bo Greaves who was the 18 year old uh, woman making her debut um, and she was the youngest uh, female player uh, ever to win he got through that 3-0 um, but it, was, it wasn't as easy as it sounded she had set darts to win the first couple of sets but uh, Willie kept his cool uh, uh, and came through 3-0 I do want to ask you about Willie O'Connor because I know he's out this evening as well but before I ask you about Willie young Josh Rock 21 year old from Antrim big future ahead and, and I know we mentioned John O'Shea and he came up short today as well but again a debutante uh, having just turned uh, PDC Pro at the start of the year Exactly and there's been a lot of a lot of hype about Josh Rock he's won on the development tour a lot he won actually on the pro tour on his first year um, this year as well he got over Jose Jusicia in the first round and he set up a real mouthwatering clash with Callan Ritz who, who got to the quarter final last year and this was built up as you know the, one of the ties of the second round and uh, really Josh Rock came out and once he found his footing on the stage this afternoon looked every bit the kind of the, he's kind of an outsider after the, the top four or five guys to, to really go far in this tournament and as you say He's just 21. It's a debut at Alexandra Palace. And it'd be very interesting to see how far he goes. But really a young man with a huge future ahead of him. And like they said, this time last year, he was working in a chicken factory. And within a short space of time, he's gone pro. And he's been putting it up to the guys all year. Um, and even on the televised events, he played Michael Van Gerwen in a, in a thriller in the Grand Slam there a couple of months ago and hit a nine-darter. Um, so, I mean, he, he really has the talent to go far. Yeah, certainly looks very uh, not phased by anything any time I've, I've seen him play, which is good. So 
they are players for, for the here and now, certainly, but indeed for the future. But I suppose a lot of hope is uh, resting on Willie O'Connor. As I mentioned, he's out this evening and, and you mentioned he got through that, that first round match and avoiding the hype and just sticking to the the process, for want of a better uh, Jim Gavin yeah. phrase. <laughs> but in, in terms of, of how far can Willie realistically go now? Um, he, he's actually he's playing against the seed tonight. So, so Willie was in the first round and he, he's to come up, he has to get over Gabriel Clemens um, this evening and listen he, he, he'll do the thing where he's just kind of looking one game at a time and if he can get over Gabriel Clement see the thing he's going to he's going to meet sorry likely to meet James Wade who has a lot of experience uh, on the major TV events he's a lot of experience on this stage um, he's a World Cup finalist uh, Willie O'Connor from a couple of years ago uh, with Steve Lennon and it, it's it's whether he can have a consistent game against James Wade. A couple of years ago, Willie Willie missed or miscounted, and he had a great chance to beat Gerwin Price on the stage. So, and Willie is one of these guys who has improved year on year. If you look back over the last five years of his career, he's just become more consistent. And if that step up is there this year, then he on his day he can beat. Well, I know he can beat James Wade on his on his day easily. Like. Willie was in the got to the semi final of the UK Open earlier this year, so he can do that. He needs to put these consistent performances together over this longer period of time, which which uh, which is the test for Willie. Well, hopefully, um, we'll all be hoping for for Willie O'Connor that it does go well. Um, you may mention James Wade, and I suppose a few of the bigger names when Gerwin's out this evening as well, and then of course Gerwin Price, who you mentioned there, Peter Wright. I mean, all the favourites here. Who who realistically are you drawn towards? I think I, I, it's boring, but I'd probably have to go for Michael. Um, and every, everyone says this a lot that Michael Van Ger- sorry Michael Van Geren because Michael Smith's in the mix as well. But um, Michael only has three world titles, and for a player of his ability, that's kind of seen uh, as not too many. Even though there's players who give the right arm to to, to have that many, um, he he had to pull out last year. He got a positive COVID test just before the tournament. So that was kind of another chance gone. But listen, Michael, I'll tell you what he's won this year already. He's won the Premier League, the World Match Play, the Grand Prix, the Players' Championship. And he's won on the European Tour and he's won on the Pro Tour. He's really found a form that he was lacking over the last four or five years. Um, so Michael, if he gets through and goes on form, he would meet Peter Wright in the semi-final. Peter Wright, the defending champion. And Anyone can beat anyone at that stage, but it's just that Michael is due a win. He should have more than three, and he's on brilliant form. So it's it's nothing too adventurous. There's nothing um, too exciting about that tip. Well, listen, you know, you have to have to deal in facts. So unfortunately, sometimes the, yeah. the favourites, you know, um, do go on and, and provide a, a good spectacle. Um, and in terms of any other storylines, I see Fallon Sherrock was knocked out in the first round as well. Um, anything else, I suppose, catching your eye overall from this tournament? Do you know what? It's actually a little bit uh, a story of redemption for Raymond Van Barnabas because he quit the game three or four years ago and he, he went out, it wasn't that dignified. He, his form fell off a cliff and he was still hanging on for a year or two on the tour and but he, his darts were going downhill rapidly um, and he, he won his tour car back and he's been playing very well he, he had a great a great run at the Grand Slam and he actually beat Gerwin Price twice um, in that tournament now he's going to he's going to meet Gerwin again so he's not one bit afraid of, of Gerwin um, and but when he was throwing when Barney was throwing last night even though he had a, he had a bad stomach 
because um, he, he had a dodgy Chinese. He actually looked like the old Barney. The flow was there, and everyone loves to see uh, Barney back throwing and on form. And certainly, it would be a shock if he beat uh, Gerwin Price, but everyone would love to see it, and he has the darts to do it. Okay. So that's kind of a, everyone loves to walk on, and, and Barney's very popular on the tour. We like to see him going far because it would kind of complete the comeback. I don't know if he w- would be able to win the tournament outright. He, he's five time champion of the world. I don't know if he has that in his locker. But even to see him have a good run would, would be real, you know, a mark of uh, it would justify his, his coming out of retirement. Okay, good stuff. Well, you might go far if he stays away from those uh, dodgy Chinese. So hopefully the word gets yeah. around to Willie O'Connor. Stay away from the takeaway food at the moment. Listen, Michael Glennon, you're a gentleman. Really appreciate appreciate you taking the call. Uh, have a great Christmas and uh, we'll chat to you soon. So uh, as I mentioned there, Willie O'Connor is there. The evening session starts at 7 o'clock this evening, just when we come off air. So very best of luck to uh, Willie O'Connor, Michael Van Gerwen, and the other big name out this evening as well as the PDC World Darts Championship continues. We're going to be turning our attention to horse racing with Owen Ward in a few moments' time. So stick with us here in Game On 2 FM. Game on racing now continuing our very uh, special theme of reviewing the year that was in sport attention turns to horse racing now and Owen Ward joins us Owen it has been some year to say the least Blackmore Mullins a 50 to 1 Grand National winner it's been an amazing year of horse racing we've tasked you with giving us your top three horse moments horse racing moments of the year so let's just dive straight in Owen what comes in at number three yeah, we're really enjoying a real fruitful time uh, in, in racing at the moment. It's really a, a time to be a, a follower of the sport at the moment. A couple of near misses just missed out on, on the top three. You'd have to say Hewick, his uh, win in the American National in October for Shark and the big celebrations that came after that. And then obviously the uh, Cheltenham Cross Country, uh, the, the win of Delta Work, just denying his stablemate Tiger Roll, that, that perfect swan song end to his career. But number three for me is Noble Yates winning the, the Grand National over at Aintree. The Grand National, it's really the race when racing goes mainstream. Obviously the Gold Cup at Cheltenham has more prestige within racing, but the Grand National it's that race that, that really sends the, the winning connections global. We saw that last year with Rachel Blackmore when she was the, the winner aboard Manella Times. And any jockey who's won it will tell you just about how surreal the, the days and weeks after the National are. And it was Noble Yates and uh, the Emmett Mullins who uh, had their turn in the spotlight this year. Wasn't really expected uh, going into the race. He wouldn't have fitted the mould really of the traditional Aintree Grand National horse uh, he only went into the race as a, as a seven year old he only won once over fences before then that was in a beginner's chase in Galway back in October but as I said he, he was only seven you know when we think appreciate it only a couple of days ago at Punchestown he made his uh, chasing debut at the age of eight a year earlier you've got Noble Yates going and winning a Grand National you've got all the way back to 1940 to find the last seven year olds to win the Aintree National it just goes to show what a, what a training feat it was from Emma Mullins to have the horse forward enough um, ready to kind of to do himself justice to take on the feat that is four and a half miles over those big fences in Aintree and arguably you know we think of more the, the traditional national type being the older horses towards the end of their career the career really could just be beginning for Noble Yates we saw a couple of weeks ago when he went back over to Aintree he won the, the many clouds chase a grade two contest and is arguably beginning to put himself in into the gold cup picture as well for, for next year so Noble Yates a horse we might be hearing more of as well heading into next year very much so uh, moving on to number two 
Yeah, we couldn't uh, leave out Rachel Blackmore and Henry de Bromhead this year, obviously. Uh, they won the Champion Hurdle and Gold Cup uh, this year, back in March. What a, a phenomenal Chatham Festival it was for Irish connections right across the board with those 18 wins. But Honeysuckle obviously winning the Champion Hurdle for the second year in a, in a row. And particularly that Gold Cup win for Rachel Blackmore aboard at Blutardo. If we cast our mind back to the 2021 Cheltenham Festival, obviously so cruelly missed out on, on capping off that phenomenal festival for her when uh, she chose Aplutard. It was Manella Indo, the stable mate that won under Jack Kennedy. You could see the, uh, as good a week as she had, you could see the heartbreak on her face after crossing the line, finishing in second. She had her redemption. Aplutard really destroyed the field, won the race by 15 lengths. Uh, another phenomenal feat as well for Henry de Romed, of course, to train the winner of the Gold Cup two years in a row, but with different horses. I think he only became the third trainer in the last 50 years to win the Gold Cup in consecutive years and with different horses so uh, Rachel Blackmore and Henry de Bromhead the, the run that they're on the last couple of years they can't be missing off off any list looking back on the year Yeah absolutely well it's been an incredible number two and three so I'm very curious to see what is your number one own ward? Yeah well that's probably gone a bit under the radar Shane this year Um Dermot McLaughlin winning the Irish National with Lord Lariat back in April. The Irish National is the most valuable jumps race in Ireland. €500,000 up for grabs. So coveted by so many trainers. And I suppose the jump scene at the moment, it's dominated by a handful of trainers. But Dermot McLaughlin has almost made this race his own in recent years. Freewheeling Dillon won it last year, 150 to 1. This year was Lord Lariat at 40 to 1. Dermot, you know, is arguably one of the the closest trainers to Fairy House. Trains just a, a few miles down the road. Could almost walk his horses to uh, Fairy House for Irish National Day on Easter Monday. Wins it for the second year in a row with another outsider. His dad won the race as a jockey back in the in the 1960s. And for a yard that's maybe not as big and doesn't have as much ammunition as the likes of maybe Gordon Elliott, Willie Mullins, Henry de Bromhead. For Dermot McLaughlin to, to go and do that two years in a row and thankfully this year the crowds were back so he had his real winner's moment as uh, Lord Lariat came back in. Great stuff. Big love as well to Davy Russell and Robbie Power who bowed out of the sport. Uh, time is against his own ward, but I do want to play in a very special interview. And I want to let you tee it up because I know racing is a, a big passion of yours. And when I mentioned the name Jack Kennedy, most people might think I'm referring to the jockey, but I'm not in this instance. Yeah, a different Jack Kennedy when you, when you come to talk of racing. This is uh, motorcycle racing, obviously something of a, a niche sport here in Ireland, but it's a, a sport that we do have a particularly uh, successful record in. And, and Jack, he's from Dublin, and he's added to the, the real history that Ireland has within the, the motorcycle uh, sphere. He won the British Supersport Championship for a fourth year, set a record, the first rider to ever do so, completely dominated the season this year. 12 wins from the first 16 races in the championship. And after he uh, recorded that uh, fourth title success i caught up with jack and i began by asking him what the emotions were like crossing the line at snederton when he clinched that title for a fourth time just a really amazing feeling for all the hard work that you put in behind the scenes and uh, the risks i suppose that you do take in motorcycle racing for it to pay off and to have a, a trophy and a, another championship for it is an amazing feeling and i'm really happy to to get that championship because that now sets me aside as the most successful rider in British Supersport history so I hope I can hold on to that one for a long time 16 races you rode in in Supersport class this season 13 poles 12 race wins really couldn't have gone much better than it did yeah, it was an amazing season and a massive thanks to my team in, in Mar Train um, for giving me an amazing bike and an amazing team because well, it is an individual sport, you could say, on the track, but you need a, an amazing team and a great team behind you to give you the confidence and give you the machinery that you need to do the job. 
you mentioned there the history that came with the, the title this season, the winning most uh, rider in British Supersport history. If, if you were to take you back to say 2007 when you were crowned the Irish National Supersport Champion, the youngest rider at 17 to, to win that championship. When you look back on that now and, and what you've got on to achieve with those four Supersport titles over in Britain, every young rider I suppose going, going over to, to Britain from Ireland you know, thinks that, that they're going to make it, that, that the opportunities will come. But when you've actually done it, looking back then, did you think this was all possible? To be honest, probably not, because like you say, you go from winning in Ireland and then to make the trip over to the UK and the level was just like, it was nearly like starting from scratch again. So you go from winning races and then go to nearly just finishing in the points, which would be inside the top 15 if you're lucky. So you really had to um, recalibrate your your focus on where you were going to finish in races because it was it was quite hard to take to be honest with you and back then when you went over first you were saying to yourself geez I'm not sure if I'm ever going to make it to the front of this class because these guys are so fast so looking back on it all now I'm really happy that I'm one of the guys at the front and I'm like the guy to beat now in, in that championship so yeah it's been an amazing journey it, it, you could say it took a while to get there but um my motto is always to just never give up and never give in and if you keep being persistent at something and keep putting the effort in it eventually has to pay off and you mentioned that you're you're sticking in the in the British paddock for 2023. You're going to be uh, stepping up into the Superbike class and doing it with the the same team that you won the Supersport Championship this year with Mark Train. Their first season heading into Superbikes. You did have the, the last two rounds of this year's championship, having sealed the Supersport crown to step up in Superbikes. Was that valuable track time to get on the Superbike? Yeah, massively. It just sort of gives us a bit of a head start starting next year, so we're not starting um, from scratch. You could say to get to race weekends under our belt was amazing to um, feel what the R1 was like in a race environment and, and just get the and, and see the other see the other bikes on track as well to, to learn and to get brought along by them as well because I've nearly have, having to forget everything I know about riding a 600 to ride the 1000cc with the massive jump and power and the same weight so you're basically adding on 100 horsepower to what you've been riding already with the same weight machine so it's a massive step um, it was really great to get these last two rounds in and I'm really excited for the for the year that's coming because I know given the right opportunity I can I can shine in this class and I don't feel there's a better opportunity than now with Martrain and especially with staying with the team that I've been with this year I've built up a great relationship and it's good continuity going into next year so I'm really excited for it and uh, I think we can do a good job Look Looking ahead to it, what would you be kind of setting as your goal? Any any targets? The team and my goal is to make there's a thing called the showdown in the BSB Championship. The top eight from the top eight in the championship go into a showdown, which is held over the last three rounds. So only the top eight have a chance of winning the championship. So if we could make that top eight in our first year, I think it would have been an amazing accomplishment. It's going to be find our feet in the class force, get comfortable, and and just keep bringing them results home because points make prizes at the end of the day and uh, when you throw the bike up the road and don't finish or have DNFs and crashes here and there it doesn't do you any favours and obviously I know that from winning four championships that results are the most important thing possible so even on the days that you don't feel great don't push it over its limits and bring it home and, and get them points because the points add up at the end of the year and all that matters is where you finish in the championship so I think our, our goal would be like to start finishing in top 10 initially and then sort of trying to break the top five or six and then maybe try to break the, the podium towards the end of the year 
Sinead, big thanks to John Farrell and Laura Lee Davis for ensuring this evening's show ran smoothly and big love to our series producer Ronan Lawler. Better the Silva is up next after the news so do stay tuned to 2FM but from myself Shane Dawson and all of the Game On team happy Christmas and we'll talk to you again soon. Shlan. Live across the nation and on the RTE radio player this is RTE.